8.16 and President Moon Jae-in's back home after a five-day trip attending a series of regional summits where he reinforced the importance of international cooperation as well as discussing North Korea with key individuals such as Russian President Vladimir Putin, Chinese leader Xi Jinping and US Vice President Mike Pence. Let's discuss the implications with Professor Park Won-gon from the School of International Studies at Handong University. Good morning to you. Good morning. Now, while we saw Mike Pence warn regional leaders against China's empire and aggression, Chinese leader Xi vowed that America's wars will produce no winners. We then saw ultimately at APEC the failure of both sides to come up with any kind of joint statement. How will these superpowers divide affect regional powers like ourselves here in Korea? Well, this time, as you said, there's a series of regional summits. So the vice president of the United States, Mike Pence, has a chance to talk with Chinese leader. And there are two major kind of uh, fields that these two superpowers have uh, struggled First one, uh, first area is, of course, the economy. They uh, already started to have a so-called trade war. And the other area is the South China Sea. It's also you know, getting more escalate lately. So problem is that if there's already intensified this kind of uh, conflict between these two powers that, of course, make a huge impact on Korean Peninsula and um, at least two uh, field. The first point is that the United States has introduced so-called free and open Indo-Pacific strategy, and the Vice President Pence, uh, you know, reiterate the importance of this strategy. But problem of this strategy is that United States has trying to enhance this cooperation among the partnership uh, countries such as Australia, India, and Japan in order to counter authoritarianism and aggression. Yes, this is the expression that has Mike Pence used. Definitely it implied the China. So if this uh, the Pacific strategy has uh, more articulate and has pursued more actively by the uh, Trump administration, South Korea, we have a very tough choice whether we are going to participate this strategy or not. That means if we decide to participate to this strategy, we have the counter against China. And second is, of course, this North Korean denuclearization. More intensive competition on the Korean Peninsula if this kind of uh, you know, already conflicting relationship between United States and China has intensified because we are seeing that Korean Peninsula has been the forefront of the superpower for you know, pretty long period of time. So it is very difficult to, to proceed or to get any meaningful kind of a result about the denuclearization of the Kremlin. So, as, you know, so summarize that, you know, to see the intensified this relationship between the two powers make a very negative impact on the Kremlin. Looking specifically at what came out the ASEAN summit, it was a similar position as the European nations recently when they said they're committed to international efforts to bring about the complete, verifiable and irreversible denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. But this uh, CVID term seemed to have been falling out uh, to be replaced by something a little more nuanced than that. What's your prospect for that? Well, it's interesting because the ASEAN, you just mentioned that, they adopt the word of CVID, but as APEC, you just mentioned, they failed to agree and communicate. 
And also ASEAN plus three, that is uh, South Korea, China, and Japan, they haven't you know, uh, included the word of CBID. Rather, they just said complete denuclearization. But back to EAS, the Asian, uh, East Asian Summit, and in this communique, they include the CBID. So CBID is a very sensitive word, especially the North Korea. They are pretty much has a very negative, you know, criticized the use of CBID. So nowadays, even United States, they are trying to use uh, FFBD rather than CBID. But the, about the North Korean denuclearization issue, still at this moment, I think it's kind of a deadlock because U.S., they insist comprehensive report verification and dismantlement to North Korea. But North Korea has totally refused to have uh, any comprehensive report for their 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 the nuclearization program. Instead, they uh, demand the United States kind of corresponding measures. So you know that the North Korea and United States has postponed the high level talk. So overall, it's getting more difficult to have any meaningful progress on the denuclearization of North Korea. But interestingly, Seoul was a little lower key on the diplomatic front this time. No mention of uh, easing sanctions like we saw from President Moon when he was in Europe. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of surprising in a way this year, everything has been dominated by North Korea that South Korea has been involved with on the, on the international stage. Was it purposefully more low key this time around? Yes, it is true that the this time President Moon Jae-in, he didn't raise this uh, the easing of the sanction on North Korea because you are just mentioning that the, his last visit to Europe actually we failed to have uh, any the uh, agreement or the expand the uh, cooperation with European country in terms of the easing sanction on North Korea. So this time the our government has decided not to put emphasis on the easing sanction. On North Korea, rather we are talking to maintain this uh, dialogue with North Korea. So, uh, but I think when the, our president uh, met this, uh, the president of Russia, the Putin, uh, probably they haven't publicly mentioned about the easing sanction. But I'm pretty sure that they talk about the way to easing easing sanction on the North Korea. Also. Those kind of things, same thing happened when he, uh, Moon Jae-in met the President Xi. So, but at this moment, uh, when the President Moon met the Vice President Pence, he didn't mention about the easing sanction. So, easing sanction is one of the most important at this moment kind of a way to proceed the nuclearization of North Korea. But as I told you, uh, that United States has a very strongly opposed any kind of uh, this, uh, you know, compromise, especially in the uh, put on sanction on North Korea, unless North Korea has uh, any meaningful progress on the denuclearization. What about the U.S. role from here? I mean, it was Vice President Pence who was there on, on hand, and we've already talked about the issues with China and how maybe that overshadowed any progress on North Korea. But there is still this hope, isn't there, for a second North Korea-U.S. summit? Could that really produce a verifiable plan? I don't know at this moment. But if this uh, second U.S.-North Korea summit has happened, 
and that would be there will be uh, some kind of a roadmap or you know, just mentioned a very viable plan for North Korea declaration because our president Moon Jae-in also already mentioned that the main goal of the second U.S. DPRK summit is going to be uh, to have a roadmap or this at least timetable about this North Korean denuclearization. And also, this, as I told you, Mike Pence, he uh, very clearly mentioned when he has an interview with the U.S. broadcast uh, NBC that although the U.S. has not, U.S. is not going to demand this kind of a list of the, the nuclear North Korea weapons before the summit. But the main purpose of this upcoming summit, if happened, and they are going to definitely ask to uh, to have uh, some kind of a, a comprehensive list of North Korean nuclear weapons. Mm. And also they want to have an inspection and finally dismantlement. So... Uh, whether they are going to have uh, some kind of compromise in this issue in sooner or later, that will be uh, the major kind of uh, the variable, major the way to to decide when they actually have uh, this second TPRK-US summit. Professor Park, thank you very much. All right, thank you.